Uh, we're continuing our message series this week, uh, The Christian Atheist, and, uh, and all of our life groups are studying the book that's called The Christian Atheist. It's by a guy named Craig Groeschel. would encourage you, even if you're not in a life group, first off, if you're not in a life group, I would encourage you next time we do life group sign-ups to get in one. Um, but if you're not in one now, you, you don't have to be in a life group to buy this book. You can order it yourself on Amazon, uh, and you don't have to show a life group card or anything like that to get it. They'll let anybody order it. And, uh, and, and we might even have a few extras at the office that we could, uh, we could get you, if, uh, and, and we'll sell it to you cheaper than Amazon will. And, uh, and so, but we would love for you to read that, uh, because like we, talk, we, we talked about this just about every week, but as we've done this, one of the things, this idea of the Christian atheist is, there are things in our lives, we, we claim to be followers of Christ. We claim to know God, to love God, to be followers of Jesus. But there are things in our lives, ways that we live that really we deny him by our actions. By the, by the things we say, the things we do, the places we go, the attitudes we have sometimes. We claim to be followers of Christ, but we're really like Christian atheists. If someone didn't know we were a follower of Jesus, they might not even know if we believed in God because of the things we do. And we've talked about a lot of different areas, and it's been really funny the last couple weeks. Um, you know, last week we talked about worry, and I had all kind of people come up to me this week and say, why did you have to preach that just to me? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and that I just was just teaching what the Bible said about worry, but that's one of those things that a lot of us struggle with. And so today I want us to talk about uh, another area uh, uh, where sometimes we claim to believe in God, but we live another way. But I want to start with some familiar words for you that maybe you've heard before. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Can anybody tell me where in the Bible that's found? It's not in there. You know, some of you are like, I think that's in adverbs, isn't it, Cliff? Or, um, it's uh, your hesitations. I believe it's somewhere in there. Uh, that is not in the Bible. But those are very familiar words because that's in the, Declara the Declaration of Independence. Written by a guy, maybe you've heard of him, named Thomas Jefferson. He's famous for being on the $2 bill. No, he's really famous because he was a president and uh, one of the founding fathers of our country. But he wrote the Declaration of Independence all those years ago. And, and those were the words that he used in the Declaration of Independence. Very familiar words. And, and the question for us uh, a lot of times is, is that last part where it says that there are certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, how far will we go to pursue happiness? And so what we're going to talk about today is that I believe in God, but I will pursue happiness at any cost. That's what the Christian atheist says. Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe in God, but when it comes to being happy, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be happy. I'm going to, I'm going to go however far it might be. And so we're going to talk today about whether or not how far we will go to pursue happiness. You know, pursuing happiness really is an American ideal. It really is. And you might not know this, but Thomas Jefferson didn't originate the idea of inalienable rights endowed on us by our Creator. In fact, he borrowed, I'm not going to say he stole, he borrowed that idea from a guy named John Locke. No lost geeks, it's not the guy on the island, all right? You're like, I didn't know that the guy on the island wrote that, no. It was an English philosopher named John Locke, all right, who, who, was, who Thomas Jefferson was highly influenced by. He read his teachings and all that kind of stuff. 
And John Locke, in fact, he wrote a sentence very similar to this that said that he believed that people were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, but John Locke said an estate, life, liberty, and estate, or property. But when Thomas Jefferson was writing the Declaration of Independence for this new country that was going to start, he said, I like that idea, but let's change a state to the pursuit of happiness. And so it really is a very American ideal that we have been given a right by God to pursue happiness, that that's really what God wants us to do is to try to be happy. And so ever since then, that was built into the DNA of our country. And so ever since then, really pursuing happiness for us Americans has been about as natural as breathing. And, and, and for us, it's so different than, than where our team was in, in, in Haveroni, Botswana, because over there you've got people that they're trying to pursue survival. They're trying to pursue the next meal. They're trying to pursue a place to live. But for the majority of Americans, now I know you're going to say, Cliff, we got hungry people in America. I know we do. We got people here. But none of you are. And so for us, for the average middle class, upper middle class, whatever class you want to call yourself, American that we are, we can pursue happiness because we don't have to worry about where our next meal comes from. We don't have to worry about where we're going to live. And, as, and when we begin to live in that type of environment and that type of attitude, that it's really God's gift to us, that he's told us we can do that, what will happen is we will begin to go further and further and further to pursue that happiness. And, we, and this reinforced in our lives all the time by the ads we see. If you watch television or, or look at print media and the advertisements that are out there, Everything from new cars to soft drinks promise you happiness. And they'll even use that term. In fact, in the year 2007, Pepsi came out with a new slogan uh, about their drinks, and it was called More Happy. So if you open a Pepsi, you get more happy. Well, Coke couldn't be outdone by that. So two years later, in 2009, they came out with a logo that was Open Happiness. So you open Coke and you're happy. But my favorite is this one right here, uh, that I saw this in Greenville not too long ago. Rita's... Italian ice and custard. And this is what's on their sign. Do you see this? It says Rita's. Ice, custard, happiness. They're promising you, you come in, hey, I've had a hard day. Uh, I'll take some of that vanilla frozen custard to go and uh, throw in two great big orders of happiness as well. I'm going to take that home to my family, right? And, you know, and I know it's silly that they don't really think but think that but they've got it on their sign ice custard and happiness that's what you need to make you happy and so this whole idea has been reinforced in us as americans but i want to let you in on a little secret today and this might shatter your illusions and, and shatter your dreams but god's ultimate goal for you is not happiness god's ultimate goal for you is not happiness and i some of you that might be your first sunday here and you're like, dadgummit, I knew I shouldn't have come to church. That's what church is all about. You're going to take away my happiness. I'm not going to be able to have any fun, right? Some of you are thinking that right now. But God's goal for you is not happiness. In fact, God's goal for you is more than happiness. God's goal for you is something better than happiness. See, God's goal for you is to, is to live a blessed, full life, not just a happy life. And, and, uh, and, and it's important for us to remember that because sometimes if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what we'll do as followers of Christ? We will spiritualize happiness. And this is what we do. We say things like this. I just feel like God is leading me 
to do whatever. Now, chances are you haven't prayed about that. Chances are you haven't sought wise counsel of anybody else. Chances are you haven't opened up your Bible to see if that God might be leading to you. But you feel like that would be a good thing. So God is leading me to it. What that really means is, is you think whatever that is will make you happy. Or, well, God just opened a door. Or, you know, God did this. And now listen, God does open doors. And God does lead us to things. But sometimes we can spiritualize things that we want to do just because we think it will make us happy. And so what we've got to do is we've got to be careful that we are pursuing Jesus and not just pursuing happiness. We've got to be careful that we're pursuing Jesus and not just pursuing happiness. So if God's ultimate goal isn't for us to be happy, what is his goal? Well, Jesus never said, you know, I have come that you may have life and it will be happy and you will find more happiness every time you open a can of Coke. He never said that. But what he did say, look in John 10.10, or just look up on the screen. Look up on the screen. John 10.10 says this. The thief, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. They may have life and have it to the full. And you might have learned that verse as a kid in the old King James Bible. And it says that they may have life and have it more abundantly. See, full life, abundant life, a blessed life, that's what God wants for us, and that's better than happiness. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. Now, I want to read you another passage of Scripture, one verse of Scripture out of the book of Proverbs. And before I read it, this, this Scripture tells us why it's so dangerous for us to try to pursue our own happiness or what we think will make us happy. Look at Proverbs fourteen twelve. It says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. See, we have a natural desire to try to find more happiness. We want it. We, we're constantly looking for the next thing that's going to make us happy, that's going to finally be the key that's going to take away our sadness and make us a happy person. But what we need to understand is the things that we think will make us happy, the things that we naturally want to pursue, they seem right to us. But if they're not the ways of God, they're going to lead us to death. Spiritual death and physical death, emotional death, it will lead us down a path that we can't turn back from. And so we've got to be so careful that we don't allow the things that we desire, the things that we think will make us happy, that we don't allow them to, to lead us down a path where we will pursue happiness at any cost and, and totally ignore what God wants us to do. So there's two things I want to warn to use kind of as warnings today for us. As, as, as we're talking about pursuing happiness, here's two things that I think that we need to remember that, that we can use, put in our life to keep us from pursuing happiness at any cost. The first one is this. God doesn't want us to find happiness if we break His law to obtain it. God doesn't want us to find happiness if we break His law to obtain it. Now, I know there are some of you here that are much more spiritual than everybody else. That's cool. I'm all right with that. And, uh, and if you're really spiritual, you might be tempted to say right now, well, Cliff, breaking God's law could never make us happy because it leads to trouble and evil. True. That's true. It does. But here's the thing. It leads to trouble and evil eventually. 
And happiness, pursuing happiness, isn't really concerned with the eventually, is it? It's concerned about right now. I'll give you some scripture to, to, so you can understand what I'm talking about. Look at Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. Now, if, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that Hebrews chapter 11, some people call that the Faith Hall of Fame, and it's a great chapter if you've never read it. Um, if you've never read Hebrews, you need to read the whole book. But if you've never read Hebrews 11, go home today and read that chapter. And, uh, and because what it is, it's, it's going through and it's talking about all the great, the great followers of God that have come before. And it talks about guys like Abraham and Moses and David. And it, and it tells about how great they were. And it talks about the fact that faith is not what we can see, but it's what we believe that God is going to do. And, and it talks about these guys' faith. And in the middle of this chapter about, about uh, faith, it talks about Moses. And it says this, By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy, now look at this word, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Now in verse 25 there it says, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. It doesn't say to enjoy the evils of sin or to enjoy the troubles of sin. It says the pleasures of sin for a short time. Yes, sin is evil. Yes, sin will bring you trouble in your life. But before it does all that, what is sin? It's fun, isn't it? It's pleasurable. Y'all act like y'all had never sinned before. Cliff, it's not fun for me. Every sin I have committed, that as I did it, I knew I... No, listen, don't lie to me. You know that when the first time you committed that sin, you were like, man, this is awesome. My parents told me not to do this, but it was great because at first it seemed like a good thing, didn't it? But sin is kind of like uh, sin is kind of like crystal meth or heroin or some or prescription drugs that at first you think you can control it and it makes you feel okay, but then it can totally takes over your life and it totally destroys everything you are, everything you've worked for, everything you are from the inside out. That's what sin does. But at first, at first, it's pleasurable, it's fun, and it says that Moses he 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 didn't do those pleasurable things at first because he knew that it would only last. A short time and so that's why that's why it's so easy for us to compromise when it comes to the things of God if we think it'll make us happy then we will break God's law to do it because we're thinking about right now and what will, will make me happy right at this moment now parents I know the kids are in here this morning okay and I always promise not to talk about certain things when the kids are in here. So I'm going to talk in code here just for a second, adults. Listen close now. There's an area of our lives as followers of Jesus that I see all the time people willing to break the law of God in order to, to find temporary happiness. And it's the area of intimate relations between men and women. Know what I'm talking about here, adults? Okay, now that you know what I'm talking about. And here... And listen, here's, let me tell you what I've seen with my own eyes, what I've talked to people about. You'll have people, they're followers of Jesus. They're members of church. They teach classes. They do all this kind of stuff. I mean, they, they, they even try to witness to their friends at work. But when they get an opportunity, maybe they're lonely, and they see somebody, they'll move in with them in a heartbeat. And you might say, Cliff, just because they're moving in together doesn't mean that there's anything going on. Listen, just because I'm a preacher, I'm not ignorant, okay? I understand what goes on. I'll give you, I, 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 I'm not going to use this person's name, but I, kn I knew of a lady who did this exact same thing. 
She was in a bad marriage. Everybody knew it was a bad, all her friends knew it was a bad marriage. They would pray for her husband. He wasn't physically abusive to her, but he was completely emotionally detached. He never did anything nice for her. He came home, he didn't speak, he didn't talk. And they just, I mean, their marriage really was dead. But she got an opportunity. She met this guy who also happened to be married. And he also was in a marriage that he would describe as a bad marriage. So you know what they started doing? Well, they started flirting with one another. Both of them are still married. They started flirting with one another. Next thing you know, they're kind of meeting up in private. And then they both left their spouses and moved in together. Now, there is nothing in that whole series of events that you could take the Bible and defend their actions with. There's no verse that says, hey, if they're in a bad marriage, you can shack up. There's no verse that says that, right? But I knew people who were, who were Christians who were members of church that would say, well, you know, she had just such a hard time. And it was just, you know, her, that marriage was over for a long, long time. And like we're supposed to say, oh, here's a hall pass for adultery because you were unhappy. But what had happened was this woman was unhappy and she said, that will make me happy. Sure, it breaks the laws of God. Sure, I'm not supposed to do that, but I think it will make me happy. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going for it. I don't care what the laws of God say. That will make me happy, and that's the direction I will go. And I see that over and over and over again in that area of Christians' lives. But it's not just that area, because if you're thinking, hey, Cliff, I've never done that. What about in your business? I mean, I, I know guys that they will do unethical business practices that they would, never, they would never want me to know about, but they practice unethical business practices because they say, well, hey, that's just business. That's different. And, and if I make a lot of money, I can pay for my kids, and that'll make us happy, and we'll be a good family and all that kind of stuff. And they'll break the laws of God. And why that's so dangerous is what Proverbs fourteen twelve said. Remember what it said? It said, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Yeah, for a short time, that looks like a good plan. Moving in with that person, that seems like a good thing. I'm lonely. That'll, that'll, that'll solve my problems. Uh, not, not, uh, not, not being uh, completely honest with my books at work. Yeah, that seems like a good plan. But in the end, what is it going to lead you to? See, the problem is, is that when we want to be happy, we only see what's going on right here and now. But God's laws are eternal. The laws written in the Bible were here before the foundation of the earth. And they're going to be here long after we're gone from this earth. And so what we want to do is we want to look at what's going on right here and we think, well, well, I can break that law. But if we break the law of God, it will bring us temporary happiness. But if we keep the law of God, it will give us eternal happiness we will have an eternally blessed life because we will be following the path that God has for us. And don't ever let anybody fool you. I don't care who you've heard it from. God never, never, never condones sin no matter how happy it makes you. He never condones sin no matter how happy it makes you. There's not an, it, there's not an instance in the world where he says, ah, oh, what you did, that, that's really not a sin anymore because it, it made you happy to do it, so go ahead. He never does that. The second warning that I think we need to remember if we're going to be sure that we don't pursue happiness at any cost is this. God doesn't want us to find happiness if it is based on worldly things. God doesn't want us to find happiness if it's based on worldly things. See, 
there's a lot of things that sometimes we base our happiness on that don't necessarily break God's laws. There, there are things that, that aren't, aren't against what Scripture teaches, aren't against what Jesus teaches, but if we base our happiness on those things, they're not godly things, but they're worldly things, and, and God's not happy with that either. Think about the things that you see every day that people promise will make you happy. One that I can think of is uh, you've got to have the right kind of mobile phone now. I mean, you just do, according to what I see on TV. If you've got a phone like mine that will really just send and receive calls, and, and I do have a keyboard so I can send and receive texts, but I mean, if you've got a phone like this, you're just a loser, and I'm a loser. And there's no way that I can be happy with that phone. I mean, it just really isn't, according to what I'm, I'm hearing all the time. Because now, you have to have a phone that takes pictures, shoots HD video, can upload that to the internet. You can update your Twitter account, your Facebook page. It'll move money from, from checking into savings. It'll give you directions in the car when you're going somewhere. You can download music onto it. It'll iron your britches. It'll discipline your kids. It'll freshen your breath. I mean, that's, that's where we're going with these phones right and every time we see that what happens is we see that and we think man I need one of those I want one I'll give you there's a picture put the picture up Bill of a this is an iPad right these, these things came out a few months ago and and before it came out I was reading about it on the internet and I thought I could see all the stuff that it was going to do it's just going to change society as we know it because everybody's going to walk around with these things and you know communicating or whatever they were going to be doing and, and I, I kept reading about that. And you know what I started doing? And I, I think I'm a pretty reasonable guy. I started trying to figure out how I could come up with $800 so I could get the 3G version of the iPad so that wherever I was, I could be, you know, looking at Sports Illustrated box scores or whatever. I mean, I just, it was just one of those things where I thought, I got to have one of those. That will make me happy. But here's the thing. I don't need an iPad. Now, is it a sin to own a 3G iPad? Yes, because I don't have one yet. And I'm a, no, I'm just kidding. No. It's not. It's not a sin. It's not a sin to own a 3G iPad. It's not a sin to have a phone that can communicate with astronauts on the moon. None of that's a sin, right? But what the problem comes in is when we start to look at things like phones and iPads or relationships or money or anything else, when we start to look at those things and say, that's what I need to make me happy. If we start to say, I'm going to base my happiness on anything, on anything other than what God wants us to base our happiness on, then we've got a problem. Matthew 6, 19 and 20, Jesus said this. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. A couple things Jesus is saying there that's interesting. One is, he's saying, the stuff that you think will make you happy now, it's not even going to last. It's not even going to last. That iPad, which I want, is going to be obsolete in 12 to 24 months. They'll have another one, right? It's not even going to last. But not only is Jesus saying, listen, the stuff that you think will make you happy is not going to last. The bigger point Jesus makes here is he says, you're not supposed to be pursuing those things. You're supposed to be pursuing the things of God. 
If your goal in life is to have the latest technology or have the biggest bank account or have the nicest house or have the fanciest clothes, if that's what you think will make you happy, if that's your goal, you're going to find out that you're going to be sorely disappointed over and over and over again. But we need to be pursuing the things of God. I think the biggest example that we can put our eyes on of how the things we think will make us happy really don't is garage sales, yard sales. I mean, that's just a perfect example of that. Any, especially this time of year in fall and spring when it's nice, you could go to 100 garage sales probably in the Greenville County yesterday, right? And, and what's funny about garage sales, and I'll never forget, there was a, a guy at, my, at my, the church that I used to serve at at Fairview where I was a youth pastor, and, and, um, and he told me one time, he said, he said, this is garage, he thought garage sales were hilarious because he said everything at a garage sale was something that somebody at some time really just had to have. They wanted it for Christmas. They saved up money to buy it, right? They just thought, this is the thing that I need. And now, after a period of time, you've got it laid out on your driveway, and, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't sell, you're going to pay Goodwill or, or, you know, Miracle Hill or somebody to come pick it up and haul it off so you don't have to put it back in the attic, right? I mean, I've, I've done garage sales before where I thought at the end of the day, man, I'll pay these people to take this stuff because I don't want to have to pack it back up. But at one point in our life, that was the stuff we thought that will make us happy. But when we base our happiness on anything other than the things God wants us to base happiness on, which is Him and His will, we're going to be disappointed at the end. You know, if, if we are... if we truly continue to try to pursue happiness at any cost. We're going to be unfulfilled and we're going to be shallow people. But the worst part is we're going to be drawn further away from God and what God's goal for us is. See, God's goal for us is not to be happy, but His goal for us is to be blessed, to live in His blessings. Look at John 10.10 again, and I'm going to help you understand this before we finish up. John 10.10 that we read earlier. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or like we talked about before, King James says more abundantly. Do you know the word, the Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but the Greek word that is used there when it says full or abundantly, that that word is the same Greek word that they would use for the word surplus. Now what is a surplus? You can answer out loud, what's a surplus? More than you need, right? It's extra, isn't it? That's what a surplus is. And um, one of the things that, that I like about this time of year we've been in is um, we've got different friends that have gardens and stuff. And, uh, and I mean, there's, if you, you've got a garden, there's only so many tomatoes and bell peppers and zucchinis and squash that you can eat. So what do you do when you've got all your family can handle? What do you garden people do with it? You give it away, don't you? You come here and you'll say, hey, doesn't Sherry like squash? And I'll say, yes, Sherry does. I don't, but Sherry does. And, uh, and you'll say, here, here's some squash. We've got some extra, right? Or, or you know, you got tomatoes. You know, we got a few extra tomatoes. Y'all need them? Yeah, we'll take extra tomatoes. And you share it with your friends, don't you? Why? Because you've got a surplus. You've got extra. God's desire for us is not for just for us to be happy. But his desire for us is to live surplus life, extra life. So who benefits with that? Everybody benefits. 
See, when we're pursuing happiness at any cost, we don't care about anybody else. We want what we've got to have. And it's all about what we think will make us happy. But if we're living the blessed life, if we're living the abundant life, if we're living the surplus life, then God says, I'll give you all you need, all you can handle, and then you'll have so much that you'll want to share it with somebody else. And so you'll have so much grace that you'll be given grace to other people. You'll be willing to forgive because you've been forgiven. You'll have so much knowledge of the Scripture that you'll be able to share that knowledge of the Scripture with other people. You'll have such uh, excitement and, 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 uh, and joy about what God's done in your heart that you're going to want to share that with other people. You will have uh, such a good hold on how to manage your time that you're going to then want to spend time helping other people. You will be blessed financially and living within your means to the point that you'll say, I need to be able to give some of this money and give some of these things to other people to other organizations that need it more than I do. That's what the abundant, blessed life is all about. And that's what God desires for you. Not just for you to be happy in worldly things, and certainly not for you to be happy in, in, in denying and breaking the laws of God. So this is what I want us to do. We're going to finish up. And, uh, and what I want you to do is, I just want you to think about your life for a moment. And, and only you can evaluate what's going on with you. Only you can evaluate how far you're willing to go to be happy. And I want you to think about, am I, am I breaking or bending the laws of God? Because if you're bending them, you're breaking them. If, am I going as close to the edge of sin as possible in order to try to be happy? Am I, am I doing things that maybe aren't necessarily sinful, but, but they're basing my happiness on things that are worldly, that are not the things that are outlined in Scripture, that are not godly things? Or maybe you're here today and you say, Cliff, I don't have any idea because I don't know Scripture. And I don't know Jesus. I want you to know today that you can know. Today can be the, the changing day of your life. When uh, we sang... Um, the old hymn before we started that, um, that we sang. And I love the verse where it says, and I was down there just uh, with tears on my face when we sing, He took my sin and my sorrows and He made them His very own and He bore the burden to Calvary. In other words, He went to the cross with your sins on Him and He suffered and He died alone. That ought to be enough for us to say, I'm going to quit pursuing this worldly happiness. I got this guy who's the creator of the universe who could have gotten down off the cross. He died for me because he loved me. That ought to be enough right there for us to put that other garbage aside and for us to go straight ahead as hard as we can towards the things of Jesus. I want us to pray. The band's going to come up and, uh, and we're going to close out here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for dying for us, for giving us another way other than the worldly ways to find happiness, to, to be settled in who we are. Lord, we know that without you, uh, all this is a waste of time. And so, Father, I pray for everybody here, if there's anyone who doesn't know you, Lord, that they would that they would ask questions, that they would ask you into their heart, that they, would, that they would do whatever it takes. They would not allow anything to distract them 
from turning their lives over to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.